0: Romans, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear. You're listening to Oh Brother, When Art Thou? And now here's your host, Neil White.
1: Welcome to Oh Brother, When Art Thou? I'm your host, Neil White, joined as always by my brother, David. And David, how are you doing? Doing pretty good these days, Neil. Me too. We are well into 2019. Hard to believe that a month has gone by already, but... Uh, that's just how time flies when you're having fun I guess so David are you ready to talk about history I think I could talk about a little history today Neil all right then I better ask you the question that we ask to start all of our podcasts oh brother when art thou
0: Neil it's the 5th of February 1724 and Jack Shepard the notorious London housebreaker is breaking into a house Which may not be too surprising, given the introduction I just gave him. And certainly to the newspaper reading public of England at the time, it wasn't. But behind the scenes, this was a momentous occasion, marking, as it did, a break between the famous housebreaker and one of the most notorious criminal masterminds in English history.
1: I like where we're going with this already, David. We got some crime notoriety a seedy underworld tell us a little bit about jack shepherd london's most famous housebreaker so this is an interesting one one of the
0: challenges for any historian who like me has a certain interest in the criminal element of our society is that they tend not to leave behind particularly extensive autobiographies But Jack Shepard actually did write his autobiography. And he was a housebreaker, um, a burglar in the England of the 1710s and 20s. Notorious and famous for his ability to break in and out of just about any building, safe, you name it. And he would have been well known to the newspaper reading public of the time because crime stories were just
1: extremely hot topics still are to this day but they would actually have known his name <laughs> this this criminal well he had
0: already been arrested and broken out of prison once certainly he's not quite yet not yet quite as famous as he would become slightly later so he wasn't just good at breaking into things he broke out of prison as well yes he was good at breaking into things and out of things and The thing is, it may seem extraordinary to us today that he'd broken out of prison once and it was sort of a casual thing. You know, there's no expectation that everybody would know his name or there'd be a huge manhunt. But this is London in the 1720s. And one thing it does not have that we modern city dwellers would
1: expect is a police force. Well, that is probably good news for the criminal element of society, David. So tell us more about what's going on with this monumental housebreaking. So Jack Shepherd
0: is working, working as a housebreaker. We know from his autobiography that he came to London in the later part of the decade, the 1710s, the 17 teens, whatever you want to call that decade, couldn't find work went floating around looking for a job prospects anything was hanging around a seedy tavern when he met a girl who turned out to be involved in organized crime and gave him some tips on how to break into well other people's houses mostly then he went into housebreaking and then he met and wild and who was jonathan wild jonathan wild in England in the 1720s, or in London in the 1720s, I should be more specific, was effectively the police.
1: How is one effectively the police? What what was he doing? So as I've already said, there wasn't a police force
0: as we would know it in London in this period of time at all. But of course there were still criminals and there were still people who needed criminals to be stopped, to be arrested, Decent, honest citizens who needed to be able to go about their lives without being mugged or robbed or what have you. So there was a system. The thief-takers. If somebody was known to be a criminal, then, sort of like a bounty hunter today, private individuals could go and arrest them and then receive a reward for cracking down. And this was a very ancient practice. And the trouble was, London had been growing very rapidly in the past few decades before we've started our story, and there was not enough of a force of experienced, credible people working as thief-takers. And then suddenly, Jonathan Wilde turned out, and he was a thief-taker, but more than that, he was somehow able to recruit a larger group of thief-takers of assistance than anyone had ever seen in terms of a organized, thief-taking force. And they swept onto the streets of London and started cleaning the place up, arresting criminals left and right, and what's more, he cared deeply about publicity and made an effort to make sure that he was always in touch with the most well-known journalists in London in this period making sure that they and the public knew all the time what he was doing and how he was catching these criminals.
1: Well, that's smart business. There's a lesson to be learned there I think for current police agencies and business people, you know, get your word out, get into the social media. Hey, maybe sponsor a podcast. But uh so did Jonathan Wilde and Jack Shepard David become enemies
0: actually on their first meeting? They became, apparently, surprisingly good friends. At the very least, they started a business relationship. Because, secretly, Jonathan Wilde was also running the largest criminal gang in London.
1: So Jonathan Wilde is running both the police force, effectively, and the largest criminal gang
0: indeed if you're wondering where all of the assistant thief takers who no one else could ever manage to pay are coming from jonathan wilde is using members of his own gang to arrest members of rival gangs and just accrediting them in the press as his assistants which to ordinary people who maybe have not run the financial details of how he's paying for all this seems like a
1: perfectly reasonable and indeed good positive civic spirited thing for him to be doing this is a brilliant strategy david he's eliminating the competition by literally putting them in jail i mean this guy is a businessman ahead of his time it gets better so one of the problems for a
0: criminal organization in london in this time is fencing stolen goods how do you sell all the goods you've sold when people are looking out in the pawn shops and so on looking for a
1: chance to set the thief takers on you. How does Jonathan Wilde get around that? I'm gonna guess that based on his other business decisions so far he's gonna come up with a really clever system. Well it turns out he holds auctions.
0: See he's a thief taker and sometimes when he catches thieves he finds stolen goods because... Of course he does, in their homes or wherever. And sometimes he can't return all the stolen goods he finds. So he holds auctions. He takes out advertisements in the newspapers announcing auctions of stolen
1: goods. And everybody applauds him for it. So he's auctioning off not just the goods of the people he's arresting, but the goods that he's actually stolen himself.
0: Well, I mean, not... Personally, he's got a gang to do that, Neil.
1: Right, of course, and like any good businessman, I suppose. All right, David, so do Jonathan and Jack go into business together? So they went into business together,
0: and for a while they had a good run, but the issue was, and this is not an issue that is unique to Jack Shepard, the issue was that Jonathan Wild really liked taking a big cut of the proceeds of these crimes that he helped to organize. But your average criminal prefers to hold on to as much as they can of the money that they make. So after a few years of working together and of Jack Shepard becoming a notorious, apparently uncatchable housebreaker, suddenly Jack Shepard's unhappy. He's annoyed. He wants to go out on his own and do a few robberies where he's not gonna have to pay large portions of his earnings over to Jonathan Wilde for just looking the other way and not arresting him. Which takes us to the 5th of February, breaking into this house on his own,
1: unauthorized, hoping that Jonathan Wilde won't find out. So it's 1724. David, at this point, are there any opposing criminals even left? Has Jonathan Wilde arrested them all? Well... I mean, first off, there's just a
0: ton of criminals in London. It's a to modernize crazy criminal society at this point. So there's plenty of unorganized criminals running around. Most of them think that Jonathan Wilde actually is a legitimate thief taker, just like everybody else. And then there's also Charles Hitchens, a sort of interesting story I've skipped so far. He was Jonathan
1: Wilde's mentor. The guy who taught him about the thief-taking business. So he taught him about thief-taking, but not about being a thief? Well, not to the extent that Jonathan's pulling it off,
0: anyway. Charles Hitchens was kind of notoriously corrupt and willing to let thieves go if they paid him more than the bounty, for example. He just never ran... A gang as large or as organized or as in touch with the criminal underworld as Jonathan Wilde has created. But because he was once a corrupt thief-taker himself, by this point, he started to recognize that Jonathan Wilde
1: is a thief-taker who's gone corrupt. All right, David. So does Jonathan Wilde learn that Jack Shepard is breaking into houses on his own without being a part of Jonathan Wilde's gang and paying him off? He does. And here I'm just gonna
0: toss in a little interesting side note. Daniel Defoe, the author of Robinson Crusoe, who you may have heard of. Daniel Defoe is working as a journalist in London at this point, writing about London's criminal underworld, and he actually writes a book which adds some fictional but entertaining details to this whole saga. And one of them is his claim that Jonathan Wilde had a notebook with the names of all of the criminals in his gangs written in it. And if you crossed him, if you tried to run an unsanctioned robbery or what have you, he would mark an X next to your name. And then, if he ever had to mark a second X for crossing him twice, he would send you to jail. And some people, it's unlikely, but some people have even suggested that this story from Daniel
1: Defoe is the origin of the English term to double cross. X marks the spot, I guess. It's a great detail, even if it was made up by an author. So Jack Shepard... Would he have gotten two exes? I mean, it's almost certain that Jonathan
0: Wilde didn't actually write anything down, leaving behind a record
1: that might have been, you know, found and gotten him arrested. Yeah, that would not be the smartest thing, and he's already proven to be a pretty smart criminal. But in the metaphorical sense,
0: yes, Jack Shepard has crossed Jonathan Wilde more than once... And Jonathan Wilde knows it, which is not good news for Jack Shepard because Jonathan sends his guys after him and he actually successfully captures Jack Shepard, or one of his men does rather, and has him locked up in jail.
1: There is a reason I guess that they are the best thief takers in London they're good at getting their man now we know that jack shepherd has already broken out of jail once and he's really good at breaking out of things and into things is he gonna break out of jail again david he's gonna break out of jail twice more but let's just skip ahead until he till after he's
0: done two escapes from prison and then been caught again
1: geez david at this point he's basically like a criminal from the Batman series where, you know, they keep breaking out of jail and Batman keeps throwing them back into Arkham Asylum. It's like, it seems like Batman can never keep them there. If Batman was also one
0: of his own villains, uh, his own rogues gallery, yes, that's roughly where
1: we're at. Okay, well, we won't get too deep into the comic universe, um, but (laughs) suffice to say that Jack Shepard is as tough to hold as the Joker.
0: This is not a good thing for Jack Shepard actually. Well it's the getting caught part rather than the breaking out part that's trouble. But criminal justice in the 1720s was not known for exceptional lenience. So when Jack Shepard is hauled up in front of the magistrate yet again on charges of escaping prison yet again, the
1: magistrate says if the prison can't hold him, then execute him that is very bad news for jack shepherd i can kind of see where the magistrate's coming from though it it must get kind of frustrating to keep sentencing the same guy and having him break out of jail time and time again
0: yeah well the thing is the people of the city of london don't necessarily see it that way especially the common people jack shepherd has in the past few months become famous very famous More for breaking out of prison than for his original crimes. And with the criminal justice system having a reputation for being arbitrary and no police force, people feel like getting arrested is a thing that can happen to anyone. And, you know, there's a lot of people who view Jack Shepard as a hero. A brilliant, standing up for the little guy getting out of tight squeezes kind of classic protagonist and Jonathan Wilde is starting to be seen by the public as you know the guy who ran him down this probably corrupt sketchy figure and people are remembering Charles Hitchens who back in the day had written a pamphlet in which he'd talked about his suspicion that certain thief takers in the city of London were corrupt, naming no names, but also leaving very little question that
1: one of the thief takers in question was Jonathan Wilde. Well, this is England, David, the country that came up with Robin Hood and the original underdog story, I suppose. So the public is turning against Jonathan Wilde and they found their hero their underdog their Robin Hood in Jack Shepard is he going to be able to escape execution though because the law has given him his sentence the law has spoken Jack Shepard will not dance out of the
0: devil's grip one last time he swings at Tyburn but even as Jack Shepard is in the last trouble of his life one of his fellow conspirators, accomplices, I don't know the word, one of the guys who helped to him to hide after some of his daring escapes is also caught by Jonathan Wilde, also hauled to prison. But then another dramatic twist in the story ensues when this accomplice in the prison suddenly pulls a knife and stabs jonathan wilde in
1: the throat wow that is a grisly attack david does jonathan wilde survive he does but unsurprisingly
0: he's out of action for a few weeks as he's gotta wait and rest up and let his throat heal and also unsurprisingly the courts are quick and not particularly merciful to somebody who launched a knife attack inside a prison but again for Jonathan Wilde it's all part of the problem the wheels are starting to come off the facts are starting to become more and more suspected his
1: game is getting harder and harder to play to be fair it was quite a complicated game running both the police and the criminals cops and robbers all himself is he going to be able to come up with a con David to get out of this well before we move into the end game, let me just toss out one more
0: fun Jonathan Wilde complicated brilliant scheme. When he was at the height of his power running criminal gang and fencing stolen goods and the whole thing. One of the things he did he would find anything that the pickpockets who worked for him because amongst others he employed a bunch of pickpockets, he'd have them work near the whorehouses in London and anything they managed to steal that had a name on it he would take and he would publish in newspapers the fact that he had recovered an item stolen that held the held a name engraved on it so that everybody knew he was willing to go public but with no helpful details to readers of newspaper advertisements and then he would personally contact the unfortunate victim and tell him i know where this got stolen i know what you were doing and if you don't want all of this to be public you're gonna be buying this back from me at auction for a lot more than it's
1: actually worth so he was ripping off john's using pickpockets and his position as a apparently a police officer at least to the public of London. How does this play in David? A little bit of extortion. A little bit of extortion. So
0: this one helps to explain why Charles Hitchens, I've mentioned him several times now, he wrote the pamphlet which although it didn't name Jonathan Wilde's name held all the clues you needed to understand what was going on if anybody'd actually read it. So, one of the questions you might ask is this had all been before the Jack Shepard saga began. Why didn't everybody know Jonathan Wilde was a criminal then? And the depressing answer is Charles Hitchens was gay, which in 1720s London was very taboo and illegal. And Of course, Jonathan Wilde, who'd had Charles Hitchens as a mentor for years, knew about this. And when Charles Hitchens had published this pamphlet, he turned around, publicized to the entire world the fact that Hitchens was, to use the language of the time, a sodomite. And had had Hitchens arrested briefly, and more importantly, discredited in people's imaginations. But after Jack Shepard, the people's hero, was arrested and executed by Jonathan Wilde's men, suddenly all these accusations started f- floating back to the top. The people who remembered them started repeating them and, more importantly, being listened to. And finally, an investigation, a real investigation, into Jonathan Wilde's thief-taking business was undertaken, and when the pressure was on it turned out that there were quite a few members of Wilde's gang who had betrayed him, had gone to jail, had been released, and amazingly had actually been re-recruited back into the gang after having quote-unquote learned their lesson, and not all those were particularly happy or loyal in this Aftermath. And so when the investigators showed up and the pressure really came on, it all fell apart. And suddenly it's Jonathan
1: Wilde in the docks. The trouble with working with criminals, David, is that they're never particularly loyal. So it has all turned on Jonathan Wilde. And he's been found out to have been actually a criminal the whole time that he was acting. Like a hero. Exactly. And so, suddenly, all the details
0: are coming out. He's the talk of the town and the center of all the newspaper coverage in London one last time, but for all the wrong reasons, as a long, dramatic trial drags on. And when it finally finishes, Jonathan Wilde is led to Tyburn's Tree, the famous... Execution spot for the city of London and hung by the neck
1: until he is dead. So he meets the same fate as his accomplice turned enemy, Jack Shepard. Exactly. David, what a fantastic story of really a clever and complex criminal enterprise, David. These guys were the Sopranos long before cable television came along. You know, there's another...
0: Famous fictional criminal who had a very slight resemblance to Jonathan Wilde. And there's an interesting connection between Professor Moriarty and Jonathan Wilde. And that connection is that in the novel The Valley of Fear by Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes' novel, he actually has a police officer character show up and ask. Sherlock Holmes straight out, don't you think it's completely ridiculous and unbelievable that you, you think that there's this criminal mastermind running all of the criminal gangs of London behind the scenes? And Sherlock Holmes says, I assure you, sir, it's nothing as unbelievable as you will find in your history books if you simply look up the name
1: Jonathan Wilde. When you get a shout out from the greatest detective of all time, one of the greatest crime writers of all time, Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, well then, you know you've made it, huh, Dave? Indeed. What a great story. I hope everyone enjoyed that. I had a blast. I thought it was a lot of fun. Of course, make sure you like and subscribe on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at When Art Thou, online, obrother.ca, and You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please, if you like the podcast, uh, go ahead and rate it on whatever app you're using to listen to the podcast. It would help us out a lot. And as we always do to end the podcast, David, we have a quiz. And this quiz is all about famous firsts. So the way it works is I have some things and the first time they happened in history. And I'm going to get you to guess when that was. All right. Bring it on. All right. Our first one, I'll ask you if it it happened in the 20th century, David, I'll ask you to guess the decade. And if it happened before the 20th century, then I'll ask you to guess the century. Just to help you out a bit here, we'll, we'll get it, at least narrow it down to decades and centuries. So this first one is from the 20th century. What decade was the first telephone installed in the White House? Telephone installed in the White House. I'd imagine it was fairly
0: early you said it was in the 20th century perhaps i'll guess the 1910s
1: it was later than that it was actually the 1920s and the very end of the 1920s 1929 when herbert hoover was the president who had the first telephone installed in the white house our next one is a century so this is going to be before the 20th century david what century was the first watch The first watch. Well, that's actually a fairly
0: advanced piece of technology in some ways. So perhaps I'll guess the 16th century.
1: You're right. It was 1509. It was called the Nuremberg Egg and designed, of course, in Germany, as you might have guessed from the name. All right, David, our next one. What decade did Sports Illustrated name their first female sports person of the year first female sports person of the year yeah the first time it wasn't a male who won that award from sports illustrated
0: well when i think of woman's liberation i frequently think of the 1970s so how about then
1: you're right it was the 1970s in fact 1972 with tennis player billy jean king okay david that's three i got two more for you here what decade was the first showing of the bikini? Well, if I recall correctly, the bikini is
0: named after the Bikini Atoll, uh, where there was some nuclear bomb testing in the 1940s. So
1: I'll guess the 1940s. You're dead on it was named after Bikini Atoll where the U.S. conducted nuclear tests in 1946. And that year, 1946, was the year that the bikini was unveiled. All right, David, question number five, our final question here. What century was the first vending machine? The first vending
0: machine. Huh. You know, I've got no idea. The 16th century
1: paid off for me
0: last time. I'll guess that again
1: this one is a bit of a trick question this one you're way off it was actually the first century it was invented by hero of Alexandria and it dispensed holy water you put a coin in and you got some holy water back shouldn't have underestimated the ancient world well David that was a lot of fun lots of firsts in history I've got a few more stored up so we'll play this quiz again Thanks for playing along with me. Always a pleasure, Neil. And thanks for listening.